Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hear my declaration. Tomorrow, God willing, is the grateful celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, and thus is declared a peaceful Christmas time to all. By advising devotion and to behave otherwise quietly and peacefully, because he who breaks this peace and violates the peace of Christmas by any illegal or improper behavior shall under aggravating circumstances be guilty and punished according to the law and statutes prescribed for each and every offense separately. Finally, a joyous Christmas feast is wished to all inhabitants of the city. That is a 700-year-old Finnish tradition declaration of the Christmas peace. And some of you who have young children probably thought, I would like to say that every morning, right? This is uh, peacetime in our home. It serves as a reminder in many cases and an encouragement to spend this holiday as one where we can find harmony and peace together. But it's interesting to note that in most cases when this might be stated or this type of statement or expression of what the holiday is about might be stated, we recognize it comes from a place where we are not living in peace. If you were to look at your own life, even right now, you'd recognize there's probably an ebb and flow in, in a, a peaceful moment and, and, and moments that would be uh, anything but peaceful. There's moments maybe even now where you're walking through difficulty or frustration or concern. Oftentimes the holidays are filled with stress and restlessness and busyness and fill in the blank, but anything but peace. Anybody say amen to that? I think I've shared this uh, illustration of this story before, but I'm going to do so again because I think it fits perfectly right here. My, uh, my uncle, one of my, my dad's brothers, lives in Columbus. He lives alone in, uh, in a condo, and um, one Christmas, uh, he's, he's, he's a busy person, has lots of uh, business and work and those types of things, and so doesn't always have an opportunity to do a lot of the, the decorating or a lot of the celebrating as we would traditionally might look at it. We might uh, typically see the, the, the tree go up and, the, and, the, and the, the lights and all those types of things in some homes. His was not one where that would take place until one year, several years ago, that he decided he was going to decorate his home and he was going to get a real Christmas tree. And so he went out and um, got his own tree. It was a real tree, a live tree. He brought it home, and he put it up in his living room. He got everything together. He bought new Christmas bulbs and lights and all the things that go along with it, and he, he decorated this tree, and it was beautiful. One of the concerns that he had, though, at the time was the reality that the tree actually was larger than or hung out over the edges of his tree skirt. And so he went to the store and he actually bought a tree skirt that would be large enough to cover the edges. He put that down and he still to himself thought, I don't know if that's good enough. I don't want the tree, to, to the sap or the needles to get on uh, my carpet and to ruin it and get all stuck in that. And so he basically decided that night that he was just going to kind of play it out. And as, the, le as the, 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 the limbs began to kind of fall down into place, he recognized it was bigger. And so he said, okay, tomorrow I'll go out and get another skirt. 
However, tomorrow couldn't come fast enough, and that night as he laid in his bed, he could hear, which I think he would even admit, he would tell you now is in his imagination, but he could hear sap falling from the branches onto his carpet. And so he went and he got some scissors, uh, some heavy-duty scissors, and he cut the branches off around the outside, especially around the base that hung over the edge of his Uh, tree skirt on over the floor. And so at that point, he had cut it back. Things were safe. He went back to bed, all snuggled in his bed like one of the the who's in Whoville. Okay, I'm warm. I feel good. The next morning, he wakes up. Everything is, is, you know, just as it typically would be. Turns the coffee on, gets his stuff ready for work, gets everything together until he walks into the living room and he recognizes that his, his nightmare had come true. And that sap had leaked out all over from the freshly cut limbs that he had just cut off from the ends of those all over his carpet. And let me tell you, his first response was that of peace. And if you believe that right now, you got another thing coming. In fact, his first response was frustration and concern and anger. And so in all one motion, living in a condo, they had, uh, you know, a communal dumpster outside. In one motion, he grabbed the tree with both hands, threw open the door, and madly in his, in his half-dressed, getting ready, everything together, he wasn't fully, didn't have his tie on everything, but he half-dressed, grabbed the tree and stomped outside in the snow, trying to step on every bulb that fell off the tree on the way to the dumpster, and threw the tree top first into the dumpster. Did one of these numbers, good riddance. Went back in the house, attempted to try to get things together, recognized he was going to probably have to have somebody come in and professionally clean that part of the carpet. Vacuumed up the needles and went on to work. Frustrated, angry, as he drove out, he saw the tree in the dumpster and thought, I can't believe I allowed this to happen. This is exactly what I didn't want to happen. And then the day went on and he finally came home from work. And when he came home from work, he, attempt, or he expected to drive by the dumpster, and as he gazed over, he expected to see it with some sense of satisfaction, like, hey, I got rid of that mess. But instead, he didn't see the tree in the dumpster anymore. Instead, as he continued towards his condo, he recognized that his neighbor had a tree up in the window that was very similar to the tree that he had so angrily thrown away the night before, or the, that early morning. And it wasn't until that point, ironically, that he recognized that even though the peace that he had had gone away, had escaped him, somebody else was able to receive peace in the light of his frustration, stress, and anger. When we look at this concept of Advent, the coming of the King, the recognition that, that, that Jesus, we're going to celebrate Jesus' coming. Advent season, peace is one of the most amazing stops along the journey. Because peace goes far beyond circumstances. Peace goes far beyond what's going on in our life. In fact, in many cases, peace springs out of the frustrations of our lives, those worst times, the angers that we walk through. My uncle recognized the fact that he was walking through a frustrating time, but from that, peace still prevailed. Not just in his life, but in the life of somebody that lived around him. So the question I ask to begin is this, how do I or how do you find peace? 
How do you find peace in the midst of this season, this storm, in the midst of the things that have taken place in our country over the course of the last couple of years, in the stress, in the, in the weather, in the noise, in all the stuff that's going on? How do you, how do I find peace? Somebody said Jesus. There you go. Amen. I'll just pray and it'll be over. How do we find peace? Take a deep breath with me. God answers the question. The word Advent once again means coming. It means arrival. It's a time of expectation. It's a time of waiting, a time of anticipation, of longing for something to come. And sometimes peace escapes us because we're longing for something in the future rather than being present in the moment. Once again, Advent, like as I said last week, is not an extension of Christmas. It's so much bigger. It links the, the past, Jesus' coming, the historical account that we have, the present, which is us recognizing that we receive Jesus even now and the future. Jesus will return. He will return to this world. The backstory about the, the nativity is interesting. Last week, we, we walked through something that took place after the nativity, which was uh, Jesus' presentation, his consecration in the temple, his dedication moment, so to speak. And this week, we're going to continue through. We're going to look at another portion of the nativity. Not necessarily are we going to be right there at the manger just yet, but instead, we're going to look at some unlikely characters that were involved in this whole story, this whole historical account. What story, what Christmas story would be complete without the shepherds? The shepherds, in a lot of ways, this is an amazing thing that they're part of it, in a lot of ways were unlikely recipients of God's message of peace. And most would believe that that's because they were outcasts. They were people that didn't matter. They were people that, that were dirty and gross and didn't understand social norms. But instead, it's actually not the case at all. The reality is that the reason it would be difficult for us to believe or for people of our day to believe that the shepherds were part of it and were those that received the message is because they were loyal truth-tellers. They were some that when they would share the truth, when they would share what we would say the gospel truth, everybody would believe it. And so for the person who looks at this, and if you know anything about apologetics, the person who looks at this, they would say, hey, you wouldn't tell the shepherds, you wouldn't want them to be part of the story because people would believe that the shepherds would, would have seen what they've seen and said what they've said. You'd pick someone else. Shepherds historically were looked upon actually very highly. People like Abraham, David, Jacob, even Jesus Christ, our Savior, is referred to as a shepherd. Shepherds were simple. They were humble. They were trustworthy. Many of you might uh, like the poem, the, the poetic passage that's shared uh, on the Charlie Brown Christmas from Linus. Uh, he, he says, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. He says it more like this. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. <laughs> it's a little better. I've been working on that. But let me just say, that's the inspiration of the gospel, what Christmas is all about. We're going to read today, and you can follow along on the screen, or if you brought your, your Bible, or, or you can read on your smart device from Luke chapter 2 once again, but we're going to rewind to verse 8. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 reads like this, and there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God shone around them, and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those to whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. Which is really the only response you would typically have. Okay, angels just came, said the Messiah is born. Okay, let's just sit here and relax. No, you want to go and be part of what's taking place. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which, they were, ju- which were just as they had been told. Wow. What an amazing moment. What an amazing image to think about the fact that these angels came and descended in this dark field above these these, these lowly shepherds as they stood there, I mean, that is the ultimate birth announcement, right? Maybe you've seen birth announcements or you've been part of a birth announcement on, on social media. You see these, you're like, wow, how cool, what an imagination. We, no, no, nobody really can top God. I mean, think about that for a minute. God sends angels and says, hey, just so you know, the Messiah has come. And in case you didn't, you know, in case this wasn't enough to grab your, your attention, I'm going to send in an army of angels to come like a, like a 4th of July fireworks celebration where it's going to get your attention. The sound of the glorious choir of angels singing praise and the invitation, you know, here to, to show it wasn't just to the rich and famous, but also it included the shepherds. And that was by intention. Here, Jesus is being born, and, and instead of going and telling the Pharisees or the kings— God sends his angels to the shepherds. It's interesting, this ties the the biblical threads together, the the patriarchs of of Israel, Jesus' teaching being the Lamb of God, which today that even engages us as we we will partake of the, the communion elements at the conclusion of this service. But most of all, God announces the birth of Jesus to the shepherds to remind us that the favor is based not, his favor is based not on human standards, Not on what we have or what we've done or what we've accomplished or what our title is, but instead it's not about a class or or position or occupation, but God's purpose is is designed to bring good news, the good news to all people that we can receive and experience real, lasting, and eternal peace. Does anybody need to experience peace today? I think every day, every moment when we wake up should be an invitation. God, I need your peace in the midst of fill in the blank today. Because you and I both know, and maybe you haven't learned this yet, it's taken me time, but as we've walked through life, uh, the things we have, the people in our lives, the positions we grant, all those things, none of them grant us lasting peace. Peace. 
In fact, when we come to Jesus, we recognize specifically that that is the source that grants us peace that cannot be replicated. The shepherd's peace is restored. The shepherds also lead into several insights on the intersection with, with God's peace. First, we, we see that, the, if you're following your note guide, that peace comes in the midst of our storms, right? So we see that, 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 that these, these shepherds are out there. They're, 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 just, they're in the cold. They're in the dark. They're just kind of being there with their sheep. And, 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 and in cases in our lives, we see that sometimes God brings us peace when we're in the midst of a difficult time. I, um, I camp sometimes. I haven't done it for a while. I camp sometimes. I remember growing up, we camped uh, almost exclusively in tents. And I like camping in a tent. It is fun, but I also recognize that there's some kind of correlation between putting the tent up, pitching the tent, putting the poles up, and rain and storms coming in. It's almost like if you need rain, and maybe this is if you're a farmer and you need rain, go put a tent in your backyard. Because as soon as that comes up, that, that, that storm rolls in. And so sometimes I think it's, it's interesting to note that as we begin to prepare the way, even for this holiday, you've got family coming in, you're going to go visit family, you're getting all the, the things together, the meals and the, and the gifts and all the things that you want to do, you're going to do all these activities. As you're putting all this together, the adverse thing that takes place in, in this joy of the season is that you have all the stress and the busyness and you don't get to experience any of the peace of what God has for the season. Peace comes in the midst of the storm. Now, Mary and Joseph, they, um, they're part of this anticipation, this generational anticipation as a couple. You know, they, they see the, the oppression of the rules and, and, and all and the rulers and all the things that have taken place. It was stormy weather for them and their culture in this time. And if we're honest, we might choose words like, hey, this year it's busy or it's hectic or it's frantic. Maybe it's an overloaded schedule or it robs you of your peace. For many of us, peace sounds like a, a long way off. It sounds like something that's unattainable. It sounds like a good idea or a nice thought for the holidays, something that we long for. And a lot of reason, we can long for it because that's what Advent is all about. In fact, this is where God appears. God appears in our difficult circumstances. In all these circumstances and all these struggles, that's when God shows up. That's when God is present. That's when God grants us something we've never seen before. And this is where God continues to show up in our pain and our fears and our confusion and our grief and our loss, and our frustration, and our uncertainty. Peace comes in the midst of the storm. And I know that sometimes the response to that is, well, that's great, that sounds nice, that, that's something that you, you read about in Scripture, or that I hear in someone else's testimony, but you don't know my story, you don't know what's going on in my life, and if, if you only knew, God really can't, he, he, he won't, he, he hasn't shown up. And let me just say, there, there's more to the story. In fact, uh, the second point is peace defies our circumstances. And this is that moment of getting on our knees, figuratively or, liter or literally or both, and recognizing that He is God, His ways are His, and I am not God. My ways should be His. And if I'm not thinking His way, then they're mine. 
He is God and I am not. And peace defies our circumstances. The Apostle Paul describes the process like this in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's from Paul's letter to the, to the church in Philippi in the, in the book of Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 7. Peace defies our circumstances. And as Paul says it, every situation, by prayer and petition, by thanksgiving, present your requests before God. And then finally, and this is, the, this is the crux, this is the core of it, this is somebody already responded over here, this is it. Peace is a person. Peace is a person. Sometimes we look at peace and maybe even love and hope and joy, even in this, this time of year, and we see it as kind of like this mystical thing, right? Or, or this abstract thing that's hard to really obtain. Let me just tell you, peace is a person. And so when we recognize experiencing peace is not about like grasping something out of the air or just kind of finding ourselves in some state where it's like, okay, I found it. No, it's, that's not it at all. Instead, peace is basically engaging in connection, in deep and real and lasting connection with the God that we serve, the God that we love, the God that has come or that is come, which is Jesus. It all comes back to a person. Peace is a person. Peace is Jesus. For he himself is our peace, Paul says in Ephesians 2.14. And long before his arrival on earth, the prophet Isaiah called Jesus the Prince of Peace. Listen to this. For to, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and then finally, Prince of Peace. Of the greatest of this government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness for all that time on and forever. Prince of Peace. He is the embodiment of what Scripture calls, or what we read in Scripture called, Shalom. Right? This word shalom means wholeness. This word shalom means uh, we find relationship with him. And shalom can mean many different things for many different people. It can be that, that perfect dessert for the foodie or, or the championship for, for the sports fan. Or maybe uh, for you, the, that final piece of the puzzle. I did a puzzle this last week, right? And I was so frustrated when I got down to the last five pieces that they didn't fit where they were supposed to go. And I am content to write the company to say, hey, you sent the wrong pieces. So I jammed them into the hole that I had. I took a picture and I put it back in the box, right? That was not a shalom moment. That was not wholeness. But let me tell you the perfect and classic song for the concert person, that Christmas is the, the, the wholeness, the completeness, the, the holiness, the perfection, the peace. It's that completed moment, that exclamation point at the end. Jesus is the God who, and I get this word, and this sounds wrong in the sentence, but Jesus is the God who is come to be with us. 
Just as Pastor Seth was saying earlier, we celebrate Jesus coming because he already did. We can read about that in Scripture. We know about that from other history books that affirm and confirm that he was here. We know Jesus was born. We know he died and and rose from the dead. We know he ascended. But because he is come, we know he's still alive. He's going to return again. And we can celebrate and have anticipation there as well. And he offers us this invitation in the Advent season. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. If you, now th- I, I know and without a shadow of a doubt that someone needs to hear this today. If you are here today and you are not experiencing peace, listen to this passage that Matthew records. Jesus saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will find, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you want to find peace this Advent season, look no further, look nowhere else than the person of peace, which is Jesus. It's not a an offer. It's not a, 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 here you go, this is some special thing, here's your ticket, you're good to go, move on. Instead, it is a relationship with the one who first loves you. How do we find peace? How do we find actual peace in this world, in this society, in this community, in our lives? We find peace in one simple way. Seek the prince of peace. Go to the source. Go to the one who can actually give it, who can actually grant it. Grow in your relationship with him. Seek the Prince of Peace. I want to just give you a couple of practical responses as the praise team comes back up as we attempt to move into a time of communion in the service. Some practical responses. This is just a few, and these don't have to be ones that you acclimate or that you put into your life, but here's a few that I've found, especially in this season, to help really kind of bring a, a real and a fresh look at what the Prince of Peace or seeking the Prince of Peace really is. The first one is this, and I know we're a few uh, days into the, into the month. You can make up if you need to, but read one chapter of Luke per day this month leading up to Christmas. I don't know if it was by accident or intention or what, but there's 24 chapters in the, in the, in the Gospel of Luke. Read one chapter of Luke per day leading up to Christmas and allow the, the, the gospel of Luke, the gospel of Jesus to unfold in your life over the course of this month. The second one, and I, I do this often now, it's, it's been really good for me, especially in the busyness of the day. You kind of lose track of time from time to time or you're, you're focused on other things. Set a timer on your phone or maybe in your kitchen or somewhere where it's going to go off and you're going to hear it. Set a timer for a certain time of day every day for the, the course of this, this month leading up to, to the Christmas holiday for you to pause and pray for peace. Just to pause, to turn everything off to turn off all the things that are going on, to turn off your mind and just allow God to fill you with peace at least once a day, maybe more. And the third one is, is, is maybe more situational. When you walk through the storms of life, when you walk through those moments where you recognize, hey, that tree dripped everywhere and I'm going to explode, right? In those moments, instead of lashing out in anger or instead of acting in a, in a way that's not honoring to God, ask the question, how can I use this situation to get to know God in a greater way, to experience His peace? Because sometimes it's about recognizing that we don't have all the answers, but asking the right questions. God, what are you wanting to do through this 
situation of unrest, of busyness, of frustration in my life. God, you are the grantor, the giver of peace. How can I know you better, greater? I want to know you, Father. I want to understand you, and I recognize that you have given me the opportunity through the person of Jesus. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.